You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. Stimulated by sexual pleasure and sexual politics? Sex Out Loud, hosted by me, Tristan Terramino, is the go-to show to get an insider's perspective from leaders in the LGBTQ community, the adult industry, and the sex-positive world. Hear from artists like Janet Mock, Bridget Everett, Kate Bornstein and Shine Louise Houston, experts Emily Nagoski and Chris Donahue, activists like Jessica Valenti, Connor Habib, and Soraya Kamali, and icons Margaret Cho and Dr. Joycelyn Elders. Sex education, social justice, gender, kink, feminism, sex work, non-monogamy, porn. If it's on your mind or in your feed, we're talking about it. Plus, we're committed to showcasing underrepresented voices you won't hear in mainstream media. Listen every Friday live at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on voiceamerica.com or subscribe to the podcast. So you've listened to my show. You've gotten to know the people behind the camera and in front of the camera. And you're thinking to yourself, I really want to be able to watch porn in an ethical way. I want to pay for my porn, but I don't want to join just one website where I can only get one brand's type of content or one porn star's type of content. I want to be able to access it all. This is why you should go to hotmovies.com because Hot Movies has everything. They have scenes from all of the biggest porn companies, all of your favorite porn stars. They basically have everything. And if you use code HOLLY, you can get your first 20 minutes for free. So what have you got to lose? Support this industry and also get access to all of the hottest, latest releases at hotmovies.com. And do not forget to use my code HOLLY for 20 minutes free. Holly Randall Unfiltered is also brought to you by Adam and Eve. AdamandEve.com is like the biggest online superstore for all of your sex needs. They've got toys, they've got lingerie, they've got movies. It's pretty much a one-stop shop for everything sexy. Now, you'll get 10 free gifts when you order one item. Something for her, something for him, something you'll both enjoy, and six free movies, plus free shipping. All you have to do is enter code HOLLY at checkout. That's H-O-L-L-Y at adamandeve.com for your 10 free gifts. Today in the studio, we have Charlotte Sartre, otherwise known as Goth Charlotte. She is somebody who a lot of people have told me that I should have on the podcast, and I'm so glad that I did because this is such an interesting episode. Have you ever wondered what it's like to work in a brothel? Well, you're going to learn about it in this episode because Charlotte does, and she goes into a lot of detail about what that job is like, and it's absolutely fascinating. So let's welcome Charlotte to the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Holly Randall Unfiltered. Today, I have the beautiful Charlotte 
Sart. Hi. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks so much for having me on. Of course. You know, it's so nice to meet you. It's so nice to meet you too. And you're so pretty. Look how cute you are. That's you. <laughs> um, I actually honestly thought up until like right now that you your name was Goth Charlotte, but that's just your that's just your Twitter. I, I kind of go by both. Like, um, I started t- selling T-shirts and stuff, and mm-hmm. I just go by goth charlotte on that and because every- people have started putting it on dvds and it's kind of cool i have like an alias I yeah because like when i've actually had a couple people recommend that i have mm-hmm. you on and they've all called you goth charlotte so I, like I didn't know like you could have goth as a first name like yeah in porn so i i, I would have picked that originally porn. you can do whatever you want <laughs> do this for me do your sorry i'm it's like i'm shooting but i'll like stare at the flyaways the whole fucking podcast thanks because like nobody tells me when my bangs are messed up Mm -hmm. and i'll be on set and a photographer they're like oh you look great and then i get the pictures back and it's like yeah like some pippy long stocking yeah situation yeah that would never happen with me but i'm a girl so i'm always like fixing hair Mm -hmm. sometimes when you work with guys like they just see the boobs and the vagina, and they forget all the other parts. I, I really appreciate it. Of course. <laughs> um, so let's start from the beginning. Why don't you tell me um, how you got into porn? Um, you told me when you sent me your bio that <laughs> you got your foundation doing BDSM and like more extreme shoots. So why don't you start there? Um, I started webcamming, and I was mostly on Kink Live before mm-hmm. they got bought by Flirt for Free. They got and, bought for wait kink itself or just kink oh, live? Just kink live oh, I was like thing. Okay, gotcha. Um, this was like 2015, early 2015, um, and it was it was really cool because I would like fist my ass like five times a week and like I'm like tip <laughs> me to punch myself in the face. I'll do it. And then um, they got bought by Flirt for free, and I'm like maybe I'll try my free cams and Chatterbait and like. Nobody wants to see you punch yourself in the face on my free cams, <laughs> oddly enough. So I'm like, I just don't know what to do. Um, and, uh, Wait, can I ask you how hard do you punch yourself in the face? Like, it depends on the situation. Like, I try not to bruise myself, but it happens. Um, this isn't, this isn't like a regular thing. Why the lately. punch and not the slap? Because it's just like the next level. It's more horny. Mm, okay. <laughs> But I have to admit, I've never met anybody who's punched themselves in the face for um, for Cam. And I thought I'd heard it all. I know a few people, but I think like, like-minded people attract other like-minded. Right. I think that's why. I right, right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, and uh, I had kind of got recruited by some like uh, really terrible agency. Um mm. Those definitely and, exist. Yeah, and uh, but I, I did one shoot for Asylum, which is like um, Asylum with two S's, so it's mm-hmm. like Asylum. Um, I did like a pretty extreme um, anal BDSM scene, and uh, that was really cool. I remember the camera um, operator; she's still a good friend of mine today. She like turned to the producer and was like, "Where did you find this girl?" And I was like, "I like <laughs> felt like I, I finally found something." I really liked and was good at, and it just felt really cool to be praised. Um, then I asked him, uh, the producer, it was like, do you know any companies I could shoot for? I don't really want to have an agent anymore. And he um, set me up an interview at Kink. Um, mm-hmm. 
uh, with somebody in their talent department. And I was living in the Bay Area at the time. So mm-hmm. they're like, oh, you're local and you're a freak? Like, we'll shoot you all the time. Yeah. So that was really cool. And uh, I would just meet people on set, be like, oh, I'll introduce you to this director. And uh, it just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah. How was your experience at Kink? Because they're a very, for those of you who don't know, they're mm-hmm. a pretty like extreme BDSM website. But I've heard nothing but like great things about them in terms of like their practices and how they handle boundaries and consent. And do you think that they're more aware of, you know, having that kind of communication about boundaries and consent because their stuff is so extreme? I um, completely agree with you. And uh, I feel very fortunate that they were like the second company I ever shot for because to me showing up on set and having a checklist of your boundaries that your scene partner has to sign up off on and review and everything being like um, you push yourself to the the limits if you can, but everything's so taken care of. Like there's not a lot of room for somebody to do something to you that you don't want to do. And so that um, standard, like I, I kind of expect on each set I go on now, um, and I've shot for other BDSM companies who try to do that, but um, what I love about kink is something will look really extreme sometimes, and it just doesn't feel that extreme because it's like within your safe zone, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. And I've done similar stuff for other companies where I kind of leave and I'm like, um, I shouldn't be injured right now. But, yeah. Um, but like nothing bad is like, happened to me on a kink set I I just love working for them they're amazing I think people don't really realize like how much for lack of a better word honestly training goes into doing BDSM in a correct way I was actually in um, a BDSM relationship with a dom for about a year and I learned a lot in that Mm -hmm. time span and I you know compared to I guess I mean, I thought we did some pretty extreme stuff, but compared to other people, I guess it was pretty vanilla. <laughs> um, we actually ended things because like, he wanted to go further and I wasn't comfortable with that. But mm-hmm. he was really great about communication. It's funny, actually. I was going through my hard drives um, at home. I'm like organizing stuff. And I found the checklist that he gave me about like do's and don'ts for like you know what I was comfortable with. And I remember getting that and I was like... I've never had a boyfriend be like, here's a checklist. Like, tell me what you're okay with. It was like such an interesting experience. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's definitely, you know, a certain way to tie people up, especially if you're doing suspension, Mm -hmm. um, which is comfortable and won't hurt you and is easy to get out of. Um, Absolutely. I learned that from, I did, um, every time I've done anything with like any rigging, I do it normally with Nikki Nefarious. Um, who's really great. And, uh, you know, she's like, I just, the care that she takes with the models and the way that, you know, she, she ties them up and it's very like, it's very specific. And then I had, um, another assistant who, uh, worked at, um, there's like a, oh man, what's it called? It's a really popular, um, fetish club in LA. Like everybody goes to it. Damn it. I wish I knew more about a lady. Yeah. Help you out. <laughs> Anyways, he goes by Master Phoenix and he he worked for me for a bit and he was really good with flogging and there was like a certain like twist to the wrist that you oh, have to yeah. do and, and like all that careful, kind of thing. Um especially when you're flogging somebody's back to not hit their kidneys and other mm-hmm. vital organs and um 
you can always it feels really different getting flogged by somebody who's like super experienced mm-hmm. versus somebody who's like this is my first time picking this up. I'm yeah. just going to wing it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I found when I was flogged by my ex who was, you know, very experienced and it was a very pleasant <laughs> feeling. It was never painful actually at all. Um Yeah, it's kind of nice like especially if it's like a a more study, like um, yeah, high quality leather, yeah. like thicker straps. Yeah, and- it feels good. It's like getting like a lot of really strong hugs. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it felt very warm and like exactly. kind of comforting in a strange way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and speak going back to speaking about consent. Um, you've probably seen how there's been a lot of talk in the adult industry lately about consent mm-hmm. and boundaries being crossed. It's something that. Um, has been addressed really like in the last year or so in a way that I've never seen it addressed before. Um, and and I think it's good. I think that people are finally talking about it and models are recognizing that they do have a voice and, and they can call people out who, you know, cross those boundaries. So have you noticed that? And what do you think about that? I've definitely noticed like um, seeing just like within the last like week or so more people on Twitter speaking out about unpleasant situations they've um, been in on set. And um, I think it's really nice because other models see that and they can think, oh, I can actually speak up about this. I know it's really difficult. Like when you're on set, especially you're like, okay, rent's due tomorrow. Like I've already done half the scene. I'm uncomfortable. Um, it can be really difficult to feel like you can stand up for yourself. I feel really fortunate that um, I kind of got my start at kink where they make you feel like you can stop the scene for any reason. Like if you need to pee or get a drink of water or this doesn't feel right. Like five seconds ago, the bondage was great, but now you're just not feeling good about it. All this stuff. Um, like you always have a voice and um, I wish that was the standard on like every set and I wish um, every model felt comfortable like standing up for themselves and setting their own boundaries but I totally recognize like it is really hard when you want to be professional you don't want to be seen as a diva you want to work for the company again or not be bad mouth to other producers and like not everybody does that but how how do you know yeah absolutely no I and it, you know it's crazy to me when I when I hear you say things like that you're free to stop the scene to like go to the bathroom or get a drink of water or if something feels painful because you know for me that's always been mm-hmm. the situation like you can always stop the scene at any time and it's a given and I didn't think that people mm-hmm. ever operated any other way but of oh, course I'm never on other people's sets so I don't yeah. know how other people work of course like I just saw a friend of mine post on Twitter like um, she tried to stop a scene she was doing for lube. And she was getting, like, fucked in the ass. You need a lot of lube for that. Um, Even for somebody like me, like, I always need lube. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just so crazy to me. And, like, even from, like, a camera perspective, like, oh, we can't stop the scene because we need a continuous shot. Like, okay, just cut and, like, start on her face or something. Yeah. And, like, put the lube in off camera. Like, I, I don't see why, like... And also, like... For some sets, I understand, like, not showing the lube in the mm-hmm. scene, but yeah. then you have people, like, off camera who think that porn is sex ed, and they're like, well, they didn't use lube in the scene. I'm just going to shove it in your ass with spit. And yeah. Like, that's, 
um, I think lube can be really sexy, like yeah, um, putting it on and stuff. But yeah, um, that's I, beside the point. <laughs> I see what you mean. I think that a lot of people feel that like it takes you out of the fantasy. I mean, I know that we definitely cut it out um, when I'm shooting, mm-hmm. but I see what you're saying. It's interesting because I actually shot a scene yesterday. Um, I shot a scene with a girl and with um, Rob Piper and he's mm-hmm. got a huge dick. He certainly does. And it was her first, before. yeah. And it was her <laughs> first time working with him and she was struggling at the beginning, you know, like really like, and she wanted to work with him and she was up mm-hmm. for it and she, you know, um, she wasn't trying to be difficult, but like it was hurting her. Um, and so what we did was we cut and we just let the, and he was like, you know what, just give me like five to 10 minutes with her and like, mm-hmm. let us just like have sex in like certain positions that work for her. And let me just kind of like help her relax. And I was like, okay. And so mm-hmm. we cut and, and he did, he did a couple of positions with her and they just like had sex, not worrying about the cameras, not worrying about opening up to camera. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then they were like, okay, great. We're ready. And then we shot the rest of the scene and they were fine, but they needed, she needed like those 10 minutes to not like oh, worry about like, you know, where her face was, if she was opening up to camera, yeah, like it, that kind it of makes thing. All the difference, Made all like, the difference, especially for anal, like relaxing mentally first, yeah. like, uh, it helps your whole body relax. So, um, but there's not always like time to do that on set. And I wish like there was, cause it's, uh, and I always ask, I'm like, Hey, can like this person like fuck me like off camera for like just a couple minutes to make sure like one that I'm clean and two that like my butthole's not going to rip open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I hear you. What I hear what you're saying about the time situation. Mm-hmm. Cause that's definitely something that I come up against because, mm-hmm. you know, being a producer, um, a lot of my clients, you know, have smaller budgets mm-hmm. and so we have to cram a lot into a day. And I am often on like a pretty strict time schedule. Like I need mm-hmm. to shoot like, you know, sometimes when I shoot my wicked movies, I got to shoot three sex scenes in a day plus dialogue plus like the soft core, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, it's a lot. And, of you know, course. I might need to be out of a location by a certain time. So mm-hmm. I definitely um, struggle sometimes with being in those situations where like the girl needs time or she needs to cut. And, you know, there's a part of me that's like, fuck, you know, like I, we need to finish the scene because I have all this other stuff to shoot and I'm on this time crunch with, you know, thinking about her, you know, mental health, mental well-being, I should say, like physical well-being and like recognizing that what she's doing is a lot. Like she's putting her body through a lot for the scene, you know, for me, for my client. And that's something that I need to respect. So as a producer and also too, like never having been on the other side of the camera, never having been, you know, like a performer, like I have to recognize that I don't really know what they're going through. And it's really important for me to step back and respect that. But that's definitely the struggle that I come up against. I'm sure. Um, it, it also like, especially knowing that as a performer, sometimes like you feel guilty, mm-hmm. um, asking for certain things. You're just like, oh, I don't want to make their day like any harder than yes. it actually is. Yes. But, uh, it's, it's like a struggle on both sides a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I guess that's why they call it work, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so another thing I wanted to ask you about was, um, you said that you work in a brothel Yeah. in Vegas. So, um, can I ask you which one and then just basically tell me what that's oh, like. Totally. So it's actually, um, Outside of Vegas, so a lot of people don't know this about um, the state laws in Nevada, but um, prostitution is legal as long as it's outside of Clark County. Clark mm-hmm. County is where Las Vegas is located, okay. and the county line is about like an hour 
hour and a half out. That is so interesting. Do you know right. why? I don't know. I think they don't want to compete with the casinos, some gambling liquor laws, at least maybe they want to keep like Las Vegas more kid friendly. I don't know. But I, yeah, I guess I could sort of see that. Yeah, I've I've been picked up by cab drivers and stuff, and they'll see like a flyer for like a brothel or something. They're like, "Yeah, it's legal here. The girls can come right up to your hotel rooms." And I'm like, "Who told you that? Because that's not true." Yeah. And if people tell you that they're lying, not like there's anything wrong with that, but you don't want like to be operating under like the perception that it's legal, right? It's not because then people could get in trouble if they don't, of course, aren't willing to take the risk. Um, but yeah, I work at one called Alien Cat House. It's mm-hmm. in Amargosa Valley, which is right next to Pahrump. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like kind of sci-fi themed, and it's right next to um, the Area Fifty One Travel Center. Mm-hmm. So it's like surrounded by like desert and like little green alien things (laughs) Um, it's kind of cool I like working there and I think um, I've noticed more uh, adult performers working there Mm -hmm. what I like about them is a lot of the brothels they have um, uh, like a two-week commitment where you have to be in-house and can't leave but um, with alien the owner is super fucking cool and he's like hey the law says like if you got to leave, like if you come back within 24 hours, your test is still mm-hmm. valid. So like if you have to go shoot or something or if you want to go to Olive Garden, which I like to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love Olive Garden. That was very specific. Very specific. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've literally had my husband um, drive like an hour and a half from Vegas to Amargosa to pick me up take me to Olive Garden and then drop me I think I've home. ever eaten at Olive Garden. <laughs> it's like pretty bad, but if you go in expecting like not the best food, it's like a good experience. I like it. Okay. If, if you like breadsticks and soup. I've heard a lot about the breadsticks. They're everything. Um, you know, they live up to their reputation, but that's about the only menu item that does. <laughs> <laughs> I still love it though. Okay, so... Um, okay, so... Now I want to ask you about um, when you said that when you, if you leave within twenty four mm-hmm. hours your test is still valid. So do you get tested there at the brothel? You totally can. So um, you can get tested in Las Vegas. There's like this county um, place called the Southern Nevada Health District, mm-hmm. but it's open to the public. So you got to be in there at like eight in the morning mm-hmm. on a Monday. Um, if you want to get your results like by the next day or two mm-hmm. and, and beat the line, mm-hmm. um, you can also go to like a quest diagnostics, um, in Pahrump or something, mm-hmm. but it's like, unless like you're going out and staying there, it's kind of a pain in the ass to drive an hour and a half. Right. Um, and I think on Tuesdays or something, you could just be in the brothel and the doctor will come and take your blood and do swabs. They do like swabs instead of urine, which I find interesting. Um, but it's like a little more expensive. It's like 30 extra dollars. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, then, um, so for porn, like we get tested every two weeks for the brothel work. It's, um, every seven days. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so the idea is that you get tested and then you work at the brothel and you stay there mm-hmm. for the seven days or whatnot so that there's absolutely no chance of you going out and mm-hmm. doing extracurricular activities, yeah. right? Where you could contract something, come back and give it to the customers. Yeah, yeah. That's the the main idea. And the customers, like even for oral, like you're required to use 
condoms, like, which is nice because there's like signs on every door. It says condoms are mandatory. So mm-hmm. if you ever get a client who's like, oh, I don't really feel like using one, you can be like, well, take it up with the sheriff and she'll be on my side. Yeah. Um, also, the sheriff of Nye County is a woman, which I think is really cool. Oh, that is cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, so what's confusing is, so like I'll get tested in Vegas if I have an appointment or something. Like mm-hmm. let's say my appointment's on Friday, I get tested on, mon- on Monday. I have to be in-house within 24 hours of receiving my results. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be like the next day or the day after. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to plan. Like, do I need to pack today? Do I need to pack tomorrow? Right. Like, when do I have to okay. drive out there? It's confusing. And then people argue, like, why aren't you in-house, like, within 24 hours of getting the test, like, versus receiving the results? Right. Because it could be, like, an extra. Yeah, because that's a window that you could go out and get something. Um, So it's, like, not a a perfect system, but it is pretty strict. Um, And uh, I was reading, and they said there hasn't been, like, any, like, HIV transmissions like from a brothel for like I don't know however many years but it was like something super impressive now the clients don't have to get tested right because that would be like almost impossible to control no like how would you enforce that yeah but But they have to wear condoms yeah so uh, they have to wear condoms and you inspect them Mm. which like I mean how do you tell if somebody has chlamydia just by looking at them right because um I've definitely gotten chlamydia, like, from using a condom before. Like, not everything is perfect and airtight. Right. But, like, it, you check for sores, like, smells, like, droopy, dripping things. Um, and if you're unsure about something, you can call, like, a girl who's been working there longer. Uh-huh. <laughs> Be like, hey, can you come look at this? <laughs> now, do you do it in kind of, like, a sexy way? Because I remember learning from somebody that what they would do is they would bring their client in and the first thing they would do is, and it's kind of like part of the service, they mm-hmm. give you like a bath, like a relaxing bath. And so it's, mm-hmm. you know, serves two purposes. First of all, to make sure that you're clean mm-hmm. um, and that you, you know, aren't like sweaty and gross and, you know, that you're clean. And then secondly is to inspect the genitals for anything um, shady looking in a sexy kind of way. Oh, totally. So, so it doesn't take you out of the experience. Yeah, for me personally, um, I always ask the dudes to shower first, one, because it's like an hour and a half drive in the desert. A lot Mm of dudes who see me, they're coming straight from the airport, Mm -hmm. have been flying for like God knows how many hours. So they're probably not feeling like the freshest. Mm -hmm. So it, um, you know, it helps them feel better. Um, Mm -hmm. When I like do my inspections, I kind of do it in like a sneaky way. Like Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll get down and like unzip the pants and like... I'm like, oh, I just want to, like, touch your balls. I'm also super into balls, so, like, I would be touching them anyway, but Mm -hmm. it's cool. I have another friend who works there. She, like, rubber glove, like, alcohol wipe, like, you know, she's just, like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm being super clinical about Mm -hmm. this. I totally respect that. I'm just... um, Everybody has their different style. I'm just a little shy about starting out with that. It's kind of... um, some people might find that aggressive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can see how it could be a little bit jarring, might like yeah. kind of take you out of the moment. Yeah, and I try not to like ruin the mood for people because like at the end of the day, like you're selling an experience. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody just wants sex, like why are they coming to me versus like any of the other 
girls like in the area who mm. probably don't cost as much. Um, and, uh, and most of the times like the sex will be like super short and then they just want to like talk and hang out. And I think that's super cool. Like I've learned like so many things about all these like interesting people and like you make memories. Like I email with a lot of them. It's, it's super nice. I've heard that from so many girls who escort that actually a very short amount of time is spent having sex. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the time is spent hanging out and, and talking and getting to know one another. And that goes against like what I think almost everybody thinks about, you know, what like, um, that experience would be. Oh, totally. And I'll tell people that. And Sometimes people who are not in sex work, they're like, oh, so your favorite part is not the sex? Like, you must not really like the sex then. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, I love getting fucked. I think it's awesome. Like, um, I genuinely, like, enjoy it mm-hmm. when I get to have sex with these people. I'm, like, a super sexual person. Um, but, like, the connecting is really cool. Like, yeah. I, um, and, like, a lot of these people, like, I consider friends and I'm just like, man, I have like such a cool job. Yeah. It makes me feel really um, grateful. How long is uh, each session generally? It depends. Like most people start with an hour and then they'll want to book like two or three more. Um, If somebody's like flying in, they'll usually want that they want to find out the price first and then um, figure out how to book from there. So, um, and I've had overnights and stuff before, too. Um, what's interesting is you aren't allowed to discuss rates, like, over email or phone or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you want to make an appointment, the uh, the client or whomever has to call the brothel and speak to the cashier and um, set down a deposit. And, like, let's say my deposit's, like, $500 or mm-hmm. something. Um and the person asks, well, how much, like, do I put down for a deposit? And then, um, like, the cashier will say, oh, why don't you put down about 10% of what you think you're going to spend? Mm-hmm. So the person will say, okay, I think I might spend, like, 6000 I'm going to be there a while. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll put down 600 mm-hmm. um, That way, like, before I go in, I know, okay, this is probably going to be, like, a pretty big night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh Sometimes, like, uh, especially if it's a walk-in, because people, they kind of drive past the location and see it, get excited. Uh, and you can use credit cards, but, like, they're not carrying a lot of cash or aren't expecting to drop, like, right. a bunch of money. Right, right, right. Um, so uh, once they come in, like, you take them into your room, you have to leave the door open, and then you start the negotiations. Um some on a walk-in, you negotiate with them. The cashier doesn't? No, you set your own prices. You um, figure out what you're willing to do for how much and for how long. Okay. Um, there's, like, uh, some girls, like, they have, like, a menu there that's kind of, like, a suggestion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, a lot of girls, especially, like, the newer ones who have never done any type of sex work before, they'll use that as kind of a base. Mm-hmm. Um but I had, like, uh, before I started working at the brothel, I was um, doing independent escorting quite a bit. So mm-hmm. I kind of got comfortable with what I was willing to do for however much money. So you, you were comfortable with negotiating directly with the client? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, like, a little awkward. Like, definitely less awkward than doing, like, a medical dick check on a guy. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> 
yeah, a, a guy will come in. I'm, I'll say, like, usually, so how much, like, are you looking to spend? Like, do you want to be here for a while? What kind of stuff do you want to do? Um, and that usually um, gets them open to talking about, like, a, a dollar amount. And once mm-hmm. we have, like, a dollar amount, I can kind of say, okay, we can do this um, for this long. And most of the time, anyway, they're like, okay, that sounds good. And then most of the time, um, when your time's up, the cashier, somebody, they'll either knock on the door or they'll ring your buzzer and be mm-hmm. like, time to rebook, um, which means, like, your time's done. The guy can book more time if he wants. Like, nine out of ten times, they always end up spending more money. Right, right. So, um so do you have like if you were to go to the website mm-hmm. um do they have like a list of all the girls and their yeah. their rates there and like what um, they're willing to do they don't have the rates just because it's illegal to post or okay. discuss that outside of the brothel in person okay um i don't know why the laws are that way mm. um but uh and i was so like discouraged at first when i heard that i'm like well how are people gonna come if they don't know what i cost yeah um but like i was pleasantly surprised like if somebody wants that experience with you they um are willing to pay for it right right like nine out of ten times Um, okay so the mm walk-ins now every time you know we see a brothel in a movie or a tv show you always have like girls come out like in a lineup and they mm-hmm. stand in front of you and then the guy like picks who they want. Is that mm-hmm. how it works there? That's exactly how it works. So for me, I mostly work by appointment only. Mm-hmm. I'll do a walk-in if I'm really bored mm-hmm. or like a lineup, I mean. Mm-hmm. So, um, or if um, a guy calls ahead and is like, hey, like I'm looking to spend this much money. I don't know who I want to book with yet. I want him to see me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... Uh, a guy will come in, the cashier, whoever's working that day, like, uh, introduces them, meets them, makes sure, like, they're not, like, totally psycho or something. Right. Not like you can tell from first looking at somebody, but yeah. they have to be let in and, yeah, like, right, right. loud. So, uh, they ring a bell, the girls come and line up, you just introduce yourself by name. Are you fully naked or are you dressed in lingerie? You have to be, like, nipples and vag covered. So okay. it's usually lingerie. Sometimes I'm wearing like leggings or something. Okay. You have to be wearing heels though, which is super annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll wear like my Doc Martin heels. <laughs> um, and then a guy will pick you and um, you give them a tour first. A lot of people come in just for a tour because we have a billboard that says the tour is free. Mm-hmm. Um, then you kind of show them around the house and you're like, oh, would you like to see my room? You always end with that. And sometimes they're like, no, I just want to have a drink at the bar. I want to play pool. Um, other times they're like, yeah, I'll check out your room. We can talk about stuff. Um, and you start from there. Mm. So what is actually – so you, you give them a tour. Mm-hmm. I mean I'm assuming these places are like big compounds. Like what is available there? And you're yeah. saying that sometimes people go for like – a few days, like th- there must be all kinds of entertainment and like things yeah. to do, right? Well, there's there's some that are super big. The one I work at is um, pretty small, but I like it because it's charming. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one called Sherry's, which is like a full on resort. Like they have a oh, pool wow. and all this stuff. Um, Alien is like there's a bar and a pool table, mm-hmm. and then there's a jacuzzi out back, and then mm-hmm. girls' rooms and 
a diner next door. That's about it. But mm. I kind of like that because it's like um, very like I don't know quirky. <laughs> uh, it feels like more of like a boutique kind of thing. Yeah, it's very like boutiquey cute. Um, I yeah, I don't do a lot of lineups. So most people, and I don't go unless I have an appointment. And mm-hmm. what is interesting to me. Um, is most of the people who have booked me don't know me from porn at all. They mm-hmm. just saw me on the website. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'll like get an appointment with somebody and I'll be meeting them. And I'm like, oh. And they're asking like me questions that I know you could figure out from two seconds looking at my Twitter or something. Right, right, right. Um, so I'm like, I always ask like, oh, so how did you find me? They're like, oh, well, I saw your picture on the website. Like, I like going to brothels and you looked cool. So, mm-hmm. uh, which is like super um, interesting because I thought it would be more of like a porn fan mm-hmm. um, crowd, but it's really not. It's like a different, uh, like there's some intersect, but it seems like the type of people who go to brothels and the types of guys who watch porn, it's like different crowd yeah both awesome but yeah kind of so interesting um just so for you listeners just so you know i will put up the links to this place on my website hollyrandallunfiltered.com just go into the blog section so you can like go check out exactly what she's talking about Mm -hmm. because i definitely want to look at it because this is like super fascinating to me i've actually never had anyone come on the show and um and talk openly about about working in a brothel and i've never been to one so like this is super interesting for me yeah it's kind of cool and um since i started working there and was have been posting about it i've gotten a lot of inquiries from other performers who had been curious about working in a brothel because they know it's like a safe way to do escorting Mm -hmm. but weren't sure about the laws or the ins and outs like is it really safe how do you know like how do you vet out the clients like this and that? So um, I'm always happy talking about it. First of all, because it's legal and I'm not going to get in any type of trouble. Right. And also, I don't give a shit. Like, I don't think I'm doing anything wrong. I right. I care what people think. <laughs> right, right, right. Do you ever take independent um, bookings? Like if somebody contacts you through your Twitter or knows you through, you know, through other avenues or do you only see people at this brothel? Um, I definitely have in the past. If I was currently doing that. And the brothel found out about it. I could receive a ten thousand dollar fine and have okay. So you actually have like a contract with them. Well, it's not necessarily a contract, but um, and I think like this one I work at, they're not like super strict, like searching ads and like Mm. you know hunting you down, tracking down your movements. Um, But uh, it is kind of uh, I think a liability thing for them. Okay, so actually taking independent escorting um, jobs is illegal, but working in a brothel is legal. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I thought you meant that the brothel was going to fine you, but you're talking about the state. Um, yeah, like um, like the county or state. Yeah, laws. okay. Like you, could, you could get in trouble. Totally. Okay, that makes a lot more mm-hmm. sense. Okay, this is, this is all really interesting. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, and then we're going to be back. We're going to talk about um, your new marriage and um, how you feel about crossover performers and um, a little bit more about testing and stigma towards people with HIV. So uh, hang tight, guys. We'll be right back. Holly Randall Unfiltered is brought to you by the Calm app. 
I'm a lucky girl. I run my own business doing what I love and I'm pretty good at it. So many people dream of being their own boss and believe me, it's great on so many levels, but what a lot of people don't think about is the more successful you become, the more stressed out you become. I have found that meditation is a key ingredient to keeping myself from losing my mind. This is why I love, love, love the Calm app. Calm is the number one meditation app in the world with more than 40 million subscribers worldwide. Unlike other meditation apps that I've tried, Calm not only has guided meditations, but also soothing music for focus, nature sounds, and sleep stories. Sleep stories are like adult bedtime stories designed to help you relax. With easy-to-follow, soothing stories about the lavender fields of France, read by Stephen Fry, or the mysteries of the universe, read by Matthew McConaughey, these voices will help still the chaos in your head and lull you into a peaceful slumber. When I was struggling with stress and addiction issues last year, the Calm app was a godsend and did wonders for my state of mind. And right now, my listeners get 25% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash holly. You will get access to all the Calm app has to offer. Guided meditations, sleep stories, soothing music, nature sounds, and so much more. So do yourself a favor and go to calm.com slash holly. That's C-A-L-M dot com slash H-O-L-L-Y for 25% off your subscription and give your body and mind the rest it needs. You deserve a little more calm in your life. And we are back. So um, one big thing that I know just happened in your life is you just got married. I really did. How was that? It was amazing. Like, Everybody else I know who's gotten married, they're like, oh, yeah, it's the best day of my life. It was so beautiful. I'm so happy. I'm like, who cares? But then I did it. I'm like, everyone was right. <laughs> <laughs> did you guys have like a big wedding or was it pretty small? Um, it was like maybe like 85-ish people. That's a significant amount of people. Yeah. It was great because um, it was really cold and it had just rained. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were like fighting against the weather. Mm-hmm. And... Um, my good friend Mike Flowers, who like also directs and produces stuff, he officiated, mm-hmm. um, and that ceremony was done in like two minutes. I was oh, like, cool. I just want to get this out of the way. Yeah. We had barbecue. I wanted to eat and dance. Yeah, and it was great. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about your partner. The your partner is somebody who also works in porn. Yeah, his name is Lance Hart, and he's the most amazing person ever. <laughs> I love him so much. So he. Um, He's been performing for about 11 years. Mm-hmm. Um, he started doing, um, like, as a contract star for the site called Sean Cody, which is a, a gay site. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he does, like, straight, trans, bi, like, fetish. He's always done fetish. Um, and he has a couple membership sites, like a femdom one and, like, a gay fetish site. Mm-hmm. Um, and he makes most of his income producing actually which is cool so he gets to do the shoots that he thinks are the most fun mm-hmm. um but it, it's just really cool like when i first met him we met on twitter i was like i really want to work with you he's mm-hmm. like i live in florida i'm like ew um, <laughs> but uh, he like flew me out and then we just really hit it off and then he moved to vegas and then we were doing the back and forth thing and then i moved to vegas now we both live there with our four cats 
Awesome. So his sexual orientation, I guess he would identify as being bisexual? Yeah, he goes back and forth between saying he's bisexual and saying queer. I think queer is like an all-encompassing thing. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we both identify as bisexual. Okay. Um, So obviously that was never like an issue for you. No, and I I think I lucked out um, since like I only had an agent for about a week and like I've um, I started out in San Francisco, like surrounded by all these like awesome queer people. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that there was like a whole like crossover thing or that people like didn't have sex with guys who did gay porn or straight, uh, trans porn. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that never even crossed my mind. I'm like, I don't see a problem with this. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and then like people are like, Oh, I can't work with you. And I'm like, that's very strange. Like we all get tested. Um, but I think like a lot of people come in and like their agent tells them something or doesn't let them do something or they see somebody else saying something about the crossover thing or mm-hmm. not working with crossovers. And then it occurs to them like maybe I shouldn't be doing this because it'll cost me work or hurt my career or something. Mm-hmm. I have just never given a shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, that's definitely I feel like that's kind of like a. I don't know if I, I don't know if seeing like a relic from the past um, is is accurate, but you know I've been in the industry a long time, mm-hmm. and so for those of you who don't know, a crossover performer is somebody who does gay work and um, straight work as well. And ironically, this only applies to guys; it doesn't apply to women. Yeah. Like for some reason, doing girl girl shoots isn't really considered like gay. Oh, no. It's mainstream. Yeah, and um, for women to work with trans women, I've noticed is becoming much more widely accepted like i think um like there's more and more um women and trans women scenes shot like every year it just i see it like exploding which i think is awesome but it's also interesting that the women aren't held to the same um like eyes of judgment yes (laughs) as, as, as the guys are as men are i think um Yes, I think that there's this idea that female sexuality is more like fluid mm-hmm. and like men are either gay or they're straight and that's how they are, you know, and, and they shouldn't deviate from that. Um, I think it's especially a challenge to, you know, male masculinity and and oh, what it means to be a man and, you know, that kind of thing. So I yeah, think that it's, that's... It's such bullshit and the crossover guys have it really tough um, because you get hate from the straight side you also get hate from gay fans who are like you're not really gay like because you have a wife um and then the straight people say well you're not really like into women because you fuck dudes and it's like is bisexuality not a thing yeah it's like (laughs) i like both i don't see why and people like accept that they're like oh yeah girls make out with girls and have sex with dudes and like it's awesome and accepted but it's just not as accepted for guys to do the same stuff yeah i always feel like um i think a big part of it is something about like the penetration situation Mm -hmm. i think that that um is kind of like elevates it for mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know? There's so much shame like attached to penetration, like it somehow changes you. And even straight dudes who are like want to get penetrated by women wearing strap-ons, like yeah. they're perceived as gay, like because it's shaped like a cock. Right. But if Or any like kind of ass play whatsoever. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like my fist isn't shaped like a cock. Yeah. But I can still like reach a prostate with it. Yeah. And like why else would a prostate be in your ass unless you were supposed to put stuff in there? 
Yeah. Not like everybody has to, but you, sh- you should give it a try. It's great. I think there's this automatic assumption of like vulnerability and mm-hmm. submission if you're being penetrated. And so that yeah. goes against the idea of like rigid male masculinity. Yeah. Guys just don't want to be vulnerable. But there's something like really, really beautiful about, um, you know, people opening up like their buttholes and their hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I feel like that needs to be a tagline for something. Like, open up your heart and your butthole. (laughs) End the stigma. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my god, I love that. Um, So you've also worked with the Free Speech Coalition um, about HIV within the industry and kind of educating people a little bit more on that. I know there was a huge controversy recently when um, Eric Paul-Louis... Louis, I had him on my podcast and we actually went back and forth forever about how to pronounce his last name. It's actually kind of funny. Yeah, um, I struggle with it too. I just yeah. call him Eric. Yeah, I know. He he recognizes that. Um, if you guys haven't listened to my episode with him, you sh- definitely should go back and listen to it because not only is it a, an extremely educational episode, um, but he's also hilarious and really endearing and lovely. And That's like great. he makes like, you know, stuff that might sound a little bit droll and boring, like exciting and fun. Mm-hmm. But um, he, so recently the Free Speech Coalition came out with um, a system. So we have the PASS system, which is the testing system for everybody in the adult industry. And there are people who are working, I believe, in the gay industry only um, with HIV and uh, certain studios are like condom only, I guess, Mm -hmm. and certain studios maybe... Um, you know, if both performers have HIV, then I guess it's considered a wash and they can work with each other without protection. I'm not like super well versed on the gay industry. Yeah, it, it all like depends like not only on the studio, but what the performers are comfortable with. Right. I think even with performers that are both HIV positive, there's like different... There's different strains of HIV, yeah, right? Yeah, there's yeah. different virus stuff. So it just like depends like, are you guys both comfortable? Cool. And, right. And then also like performers who are um taking uh prep which is uh called truvada it's like a hiv prevention drug and if they're comfortable working with somebody who is um positive but undetectable meaning their viral load is essentially zero so they can't transmit the virus correct yeah so the idea was setting up a separate pass system Mm -hmm. that would test people who are HIV positive, but mm-hmm. perhaps, as you just said, didn't show like a viral load that mm-hmm. would, you know, transmit the uh, disease onto somebody else. And I believe this was like an, it's an optional separate system, yeah. right? For people to be able to access if they want to consider working with people that are HIV positive. Yeah. From uh, what it sounds like, and because it's not implemented yet, I don't a hundred percent know mm-hmm. how it's going to work or what that's going to look like on a test mm-hmm. or um, like, are people going to have an option to not work with people who are on the past plus if they don't want to like mm-hmm. that has uh past plus is what they're going to call it yeah that makes sense yeah that all remains to be seen and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing how everything pans out um but yeah from what eric was telling me it's just going to be a separate system to where if you want to work with um undetectable people like you can be in that pool mm-hmm. um along with the undetectable people and then um 
people who don't want to work with HIV positive undetectable people, they can still be in pass, but it's, um, it seems like pretty simple, but I'm still confused about some stuff. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that the fear that a lot of people thought was that every they were we were going to put HIV positive within like the regular past testing system, which we in the mainstream p- porn industry all use, mm-hmm. and that people were going to unknowingly work with people who are HIV positive. Um, but as you said, like didn't have a viral load that was detectable, but some people just still don't want to go there, which is their choice. Oh, totally. And I have tons of friends who are comfortable working with undetectable people, tons of friends who, um, like on the gay and straight side and everything in between who they know the science behind it. They're just still not comfortable going there. Mm -hmm. And that's totally cool too. Like, I think everybody should have that choice, but we should all be armed with facts and be informed so we can make like the best informed decision that we are most comfortable with. Yeah. I wonder if perhaps, I guess where I could see there could be an issue that people would be up in arms about is if somebody from the, who worked in the regular pass system decided to go work with people in the plus pass system and then Mm -hmm. went, you know what I mean? And then there was that, that, that bridge there with that mm-hmm. person who worked in both past systems and then like would other people in the regular past systems work with this person and then there would be, be that fear stuff. right yeah i can totally see um why people are super alarmed about that for me it doesn't bother me so much because in the past like it's been like 10 or 15 years think like 15 there hasn't been an onset hiv transmission because we're testing so often and we catch the virus like before it can be transmitted Mm -hmm. with the RNA test. So I feel comfortable being on set knowing uh, there's a very, very low chance of me catching HIV. Mm -hmm. And um, I understand people being concerned um, with what people do outside of work. But if you have that concern about one group of people, you have to hold everybody to the same standard. Because right. if you show up to work with somebody, you don't know, like, if they are bareback escorting. Like, you don't know how many straight dudes, like, are getting, like, railed in the ass off camera. I'm getting railed in the ass off camera. I know a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, You don't know, like, who went to a bar last night, got wasted, yeah. blacked out, and fucked some guy without a condom. Yeah, like, you know? how many anything. people are, like, on anything. Tinder? Like, yeah untested like boyfriends and girlfriends like we don't know so it's just up to you like when you work with somebody like look them up and pass like be like hey i need your legal name i gotta yeah check your test you you also don't know if like the test is forged from anybody and it happens people catch it sometimes so you just which is why as a responsible producer you should always check people in the past system Mm -hmm. because you can't forge that oh totally yeah i think um it's awesome, like, when I show up to set and the producers, like, have the pass print out. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, that saves me, like, having to look it up on yeah, my yeah, phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, like, you know, just a- approach, like, everybody with the same level of caution you would the person you're most concerned about. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, you have to take a calculated risk, like, every time you work. Right. Um, and I just, I think it's really crazy because my husband, who's a crossover, he's never so much as gotten chlamydia mm. on a test. And I work all the time with, like, everybody and, like, sometimes I get chlamydia, sometimes I get gano. So, like, really, you should be worried about me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you're not going to get 
HIV from him, but you might get gonorrhea from me. <laughs> Depends how much I've been working. But um, yeah, so uh, it, I just think people should be aware of that. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, one last thing before we wrap up. Um, you have some interesting hobbies. Um, you're a self-taught taxidermist. Mm-hmm. So that is like extremely unusual and a bit macabre and, and cool. So tell Thanks. me about that. Um, so when I was 19, I really wanted to impress this girl who was like a roadkill collector and like a bone cultivator. Um, I don't know like if there's a proper term for that, but she had a lot of bones and dead things. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is somebody I could see myself with. Relationship didn't pan out because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm married to somebody completely different. But um, I started looking on YouTube on how to the like technical term is mount, which mm-hmm. is like super sexual, mm-hmm. um, not stuff. Yeah, also sexual. Um, how to mount things, and so um, I had bought. Uh, you can buy like rabbits and rats and guinea pigs and stuff from uh, wholesale reptile feeder companies. So they'll like breed um, rodents and stuff and then euthanize them with CO2, which is, I guess, the most like painless way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, as humane as you can get. I also had a cat who would like bring in birds and stuff. And I'm like, this is either going in the trash or. I'm going to cut this open and fill it with stuff. Um, so I started doing that, and um, it's just been really cool. Like I think if I ever retired from porn, that's what I would end up doing. Um, but yeah, if you go to my house, I have like um, my pet lizard that died, and she's like all mounted, and I have a chicken, and I've got like rabbits in my freezer, and um, a friend's like pet rat died, so I have that in my freezer too, and... Uh, I just I just think it's really cool. A lot of people I don't post about it like online really at all anymore because people are like you're like an animal killer. And I try not to um, acquire any animals that weren't as ethically sourced as like I could mm-hmm. possibly get. Like um, like I'll try to find like roadkill in good condition or something. Right. Um, I just think it's a, a neat way to like express yourself artistically and um, immortalize something that would have been dead anyway. Like if I buy a rabbit from like rodentpro.com mm-hmm. and uh, ship, it gets shipped to me in dry ice, it's like dead and was otherwise going to be fed to like a boa constrictor and turned into snake shit. Mm-hmm. It's like suddenly this like cute little thing wearing like a necklace and like a little hat and it's like sitting on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's like, that's how I view it. Like I know a lot of people um, disagree with that and that's cool. I just like doing it doesn't bother it's like comforting to me actually especially like um like when my pet lizard died I was so sad I'm like I just want to see her every day she's like the sweetest lizard and now I get to see her every day and it's cool do you feel like in some way it kind of gives you like a sense of control over life and death yeah I feel a little bit like I'm playing god which is awesome (laughs) 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 oh my god well I gotta say that's not something I don't think I would ever get into but um it's definitely uh, a great uh, conversation starter because I don't know many taxidermists so it's it's so funny because um 
recently there's been this kind of renaissance of young um, women um, independent taxidermists. Um, I follow a bunch on Instagram who are always posting all this cool stuff. But traditionally you think of it as like a macho man redneck type mm-hmm. of thing. But if you go back to Victorian times, it originally was like considered a woman's craft. Hmm. You think about it like um, there are all these like crude like little mice like wearing little dresses and stuff in a diorama and like um, women they'd be sewing you know with their yeah. small ladylike hands like yeah. doing that. And then over the years it progressed to like a, a dude thing. Now it's it's coming back to the ladies, which I think is super interesting. Yeah. Well, the Victorians were obsessed with death. Yeah. And I I, I remember um, you know one of their kind of mantras was like you would see it on grave sites like something along the lines of like um, as you are a pilgrim, I once was, as I am, one day you will be, mm-hmm. which is true. So it's a constant reminder of our own mortality. Yeah. And with that, <laughs> we're going to end the podcast. Um, I'm going to do a little Q&A with uh, Charlotte for my Patreon members. So if you guys want to access that exclusive content, plus a lot of other exclusive content and other cool shit, um, you should go to my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Unfiltered. But until then, um, Charlotte, can you tell everybody where they can find you on social media and if you have any other links that you want to plug? Sure. Um, My Twitter and Instagram are both goth Charlotte. I will be selling T-shirts again soon and DVDs and stuff at gothcharlotte.com. And if you want to book an appointment with me, you can find me at aliencathouse.com. Fantastic. (laughs) Charlotte, thank you so much for coming out. I really appreciate it. This has been like a fascinating interview. Thanks. I think you're awesome. I'm just super happy to be here. Yay. Thank Thank you. you. I love people who think I'm awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And you guys can find me at Holly Randall on Twitter and on Instagram. Also, don't forget, I have a Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Holly Randall Unfiltered. And I have a website now, which I built all by myself. I'm so proud of myself. HollyRandallUnfiltered.com. So you can go there um, and basically like find all the different ways to listen to this podcast, to watch this podcast, how to support this podcast. And um, I'll also be selling merchandise like this awesome shirt. If you're watching this on video, you can see it. Um, And I'll have a, a link to my merchandise on there as well. Thank you guys so much. I'll see you next week. I want to thank my guests for coming by and chatting with us today. And a big thanks to you. For tuning in. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do me a favor and give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps us more than you know. And if you're interested in behind-the-scenes access to the show, special bonus content, live streams of us taping the podcast, and more, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash hollyrandallunfiltered. You can even submit your own questions or get an autographed photo from one of our guests. Next week on the podcast, I have London River. London comes from a pretty extreme BDSM performing background, and she only recently started doing quote-unquote mainstream porn. And so I'm very excited to have her in the studio. She is a fascinating woman, and she's got a lot of stories to tell. So make sure that you come back next week for London River on Holly Randall Unfiltered.